Hello there, how's it going? My day is going all right. I hope your day is going just as well. Uh, today is episode number two. It's an exciting milestone for all of us. I know you can feel it in the air. There's an excitement, there's electricity. It is powerful, it is potent, it is potable. Uh, today's conversation is with a really good friend of mine named Alex Newfield. Alex is an educator in the New York City public school system, and uh, we had a great conversation about life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, so to speak. So uh, let's get into it. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Alex is super interesting, really bright, and uh, we had all kinds of ADD in this conversation. So just, you know, strap in, get ready. It's going to be fun. Thanks uh, for tuning in today. My name is Meshack Jackson, and you're listening to me speak. said that like we like we have a bug there is a bug no i mean like a pet bug like i, mean, I, like I knew exactly which bug you were referring to he's the resident like, oh yeah that bug the is bug. still alive the bug is still you dumb. know that bug that we have you don't know the bug it's still still kicking we you tried to starve him and drown him but he's just work. he's hanging on for dear life um still don't know which bug we're referring to but okay to which we are referring to which we are referring however Bill Nye said, I am allowed to end sentences with prepositions now. He says, it's... He's not a grammarian. I don't care. He's a he's, scientist. He's smart, though. That's the point. Yeah, but... Uh, he can't assert knowledge. He's a nerd. Of course he can assert knowledge. He, not in... He learns things. He just happened to have learned science at a very specific part in his life, so he got that piece of paper. But he's a learner. Did he publish... Does. A book on the rules of grammar. He doesn't have to for me to trust that he knows what he's talking about. And he makes a solid point that language um, gets incorporated into the vernacular faster than it gets approved by the system. Because um, it's old white dudes that still run the system. The dictionary is, is Bill a conspiracy Nye. now? Yeah. Okay. Well, Bill Nye is an old white dude, but he's bucking the system in this thing. In this instance, he's still old. I wasn't contending that he's not old. I mean, old compared to what? But my point was just that he still has some credibility in the conversation to me, which is to say that it's common enough to end a sentence with a preposition that you shouldn't feel badly about doing so, um, as long as it's not egregious. There are certain scenarios in which ending a sentence with a preposition is perfectly fine. Did you feel bad about it? Um, Bad about what? Ending the sentence with a preposition. No. 
Okay, then who cares? I didn't. I didn't feel bad about it because Bill Nye said I didn't have to. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so what's up? What are we doing here? Um. Well, I'm trying to get a podcast started, a bunch of them, um, and while I test out a whole bunch of things, um, I'm creating a bunch of actual podcasts that will actually go online and actual human beings can actually hear them if they so desire. Um, but I'm starting just by interviewing my friends, or oh. talking to my friends. What's um, the difference between talking to and an interview? Oh God, so much. So much. Really? Having a conversation is what we're doing. Okay. This doesn't feel like an interview, does it, so far? It's starting to. Is it? No. Okay. Well, I mean, so there you go. That's the difference. We're just having a conversation and recording it. And the idea is to keep it interesting to both of us for the length of the conversation, which is it's surprising to me how little I do that when I'm just hanging out with a friend to actually consider <laughs> that this is an ongoing interesting conversation the whole time. I just get lost in the conversation a lot of times um, and sometimes just get lost in my own thoughts or I don't care about where it's going or all kinds of things and I have conversations that aren't, just aren't that interesting. I'm kind of being lazy. I think but, the difference between a conversation and an interview is that the interviewer asks the majority of questions to the interviewee, whereas sure, in a conversation... Totally. But even in conversation. Well, that's the idea, is that podcasts that I've, I guess that's where I'm coming from, is that the podcasts that I've found really interesting are conversations. They're all um, formatted in a way, like, I don't, with the exception of one or two, and those exceptions are my least favorite podcasts. Um, I like Mabem Bam because it's a conversation. It's not an interview. You're just sitting in the room with these guys. Yeah. Pete Holmes has that style of podcast. Mark Maron does not. Right. He has an that feels style. very question answer. Yeah. One of my least favorite totally. podcast formats. I like listening to him because sometimes he has great guests. I'm not the biggest Mark Maron fan in the world. In the world. I'm I think he does a pretty decent interview um, sometimes, and certain guests are. I know applying certain people into the kind of conversation that he's going to have with them is going to yield something that I want to listen to. That's why I listen to it. Um, but it's not like my favorite thing to listen to. Um, I like listening to Jesse Thorne interview people because he's so knowledgeable that when he interviews people, it's like you just kind of take this submarine down to this like deep conversation really quickly because he has so much information to start with. So he can like set up in steps and get way down deep into whatever it is that they do because he knows so much about them. You know? I would argue that it's punctuated by very well-researched questions. So he'll give I mean. the background of an album or totally. like an era and then frame it historically. Mm -hmm. so the listener's like, oh, cool, I know where I was at that point. And then also, I had no idea that this dude or chick was involved at this point right. with this. And then the question is, and so what impact did that have in your personal life? Whatever, right. right? But like, it's not just... And he can do so in a way that is still very interviewee. Right? It's still 21st century, 20th century, modern, like, interview style format, but he's so, uh, he's, he's not Charlie Rose. He's not asking, he's not, and Charlie, I don't mean this against Charlie Rose, he's made a career on asking the dumb question, and what I mean is, he asks the question for the everyman. He will ask you to explain yourself at all times. Uh, Jesse Thorne doesn't do that. He doesn't ask you to explain Say yourself. Say more about that. What? <laughs> okay, so what? So what is this? This is I. I don't want to interview um, 
there are certain people in the world who I want to talk to, but not in an interview. I want to have a conversation with them. Um, and they're not mostly not celebrities um, by any definition. They're mostly my friends. And what I've also realized, Pete uh, Holmes. Holmes, thank you. I almost said Pete Thorne, and I got stuck on <laughs> Pete Thorne in my mind. Uh, Who's Pete Holmes? Thorne? The musician? I don't know Pete Thorne. Yorn. Oh, Pete Yorn. Pete Yorn. No, I did say Pete Thorne. Okay. And it was stuck. Like, it was. Anyway. <laughs> Jesse Thorne, Pete Yorn, Pete Holmes. Got it. That's what happened. Okay. They should record a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's like this, this is a linguistic jump. Uh, so, Pete Holmes says, uh, he makes the observation in his podcast sometimes that he doesn't have sit down, extended, deep conversations with his friends very often. Um, and just in general, he doesn't have those kinds of conversations in his life. Um, but for some reason, if you both put headphones on and you put microphones in front of both of you and you know that you're just going to give other people in the general public the opportunity to listen to this if they want to, then somehow it's like this unspoken contract that we're just both going to talk and be interesting. Right. And it just it sparks this deeper conversation. And people, like, don't, you know, they like, it seems like both, it forces both parties to, like, um, be interesting. Yeah, to, to open up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, to be interesting, kind of. Yeah. Okay, so I thought of something we could do. Um, and that's we could start by playing 20 questions. Oh, boy. Um, but here's the rule. Uh, I will pick a person, so you don't have to ask that. It's going to be a human being. Um, and you ask me, and at the point, however many questions it takes to get to that answer that's how many questions I get to ask you now but we're out of the game now and I'm asking you that many questions about whatever I want and then we'll flip from there if it takes you seven questions then I'm only going to ask you seven questions about, about yourself. me yeah. okay. and then we'll flip and we'll go seven questions at a time but if it takes 20 then we're going 20 questions at a time I'm nervous yeah, what if I don't get it it's going to be a person yeah but there are a lot of people that I don't know mm -hmm. the one you started with last time I didn't get yeah well here we go you ready was it, oh, I guess Dion, it wasn't Dion, it was like, Jerry Wright, whoever you said. Emmett Smith. Was it, no, it wasn't, because I asked if it was a cowboy. I don't think you got Emmett Smith. I don't remember when. It wasn't, it was like, okay, okay it doesn't matter. I you got your guy? Yeah. Or a woman? Question Wait a second, one. wait a second, because I need to, I'm going to change it, and I'm going to tell you that I'm changing it, and the reason I'm changing it is, I know this person who, who it is vaguely, but I don't know enough about them to make it really interesting. And if you have some questions that I might not know, I don't want to throw that off. So I want can I ask a clarifying question? Pick somebody that I know really well. And you Personally? No, no, no. I'm just saying know what I know of. a lot about. And the mm. generic listener would know yeah. who they are, too. Okay. Got what it. Are you say? Got him? Her? Uh, I, person? I, yes, I'm done. I'm them. I'm done. Right. You're done. Mm -hmm. Okay. Question number one. Mm -hmm. Are you an American? Yes. Question number two. Are you a woman? Yes. Question number three. Are you Caucasian? Yes. Question number four. Are you running for president? Yes. I have five. I'm to four. Okay, go ahead. I do this four. Our American, woman, Caucasian, Hillary Clinton. No. 
Um, but you said, are you, am I are you running for president? For president? Right. Yeah, no. You said yes. No, sorry. I take back number five then, because number four... You asked the question, though. The answer was no. You answered the question yes. Right, but why would you get to take it back? You've got the answer that you wanted. I'm taking back number five, Hillary Clinton. Oh, Hillary. Okay, so it is four questions. Yes. Okay, got it. Great. Fine, fine. Not running for president. White woman, white American woman. Question number five. Are you in entertainment? Yes. Six. Are you a s singer? Yes. Seven. Did you sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl? No. Number eight? Seven. Eight. Eight. See, you are cheating. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, ugh. You don't I like that like you've narrowed it down to right, North American I'm just, pop singers? Right, like, but I'm just <laughs> guessing names. I'm guessing annoying oh, white chicks. Gotcha. Taylor Swift. No. I'm okay. Right. That's eight, right? So this is nine. That was seven. That was eight. You said seven twice. This is nine. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Are you under the age of 35? No. Nine. Ten. 10. Just checking. So you sure you're counting. Um, do you still perform? Yes. Eleven. About to be eleven. Corners here. Do you sing? I know. I knew that this would be a particularly effective game to start off a conversation with you with, because I know you would really be highly motivated to keep the number of questions low. Because <laughs> once we get into questions about you, pumpkin <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, white American, over thirty-five. Female singer still. I love, that, I love that 35 is the cutoff point because that's your. Well, because it's like, I mean. It's your, age. It's your point. She's going to be like 36. Middle ground. No, I just mean like it's the. It's your samurai sword for generational cutoff at this point. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Uh, what should it be? 50? When you're 50, it may be. It could be. Right. We'll, we'll revisit this. Mm -hmm. Holy shit, 15 years. That's so <laughs> far away. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, does she sing, um, does she sing with a band? On occasion? Yes, you, mostly. Fucking bullshit answer. Okay, um, 12? Is she a brunette? No. Naturally? I don't know. Well... Then I get that question back. No, you don't, because the only image that we're both working with here is a non-brunette. I don't know her natural 
state, and that's an extra question, so 14. I don't know why I'm like totally blanking on, because once there's narrow, like once the field is narrowed, mm -hmm. then like all the walls are up and I'm like, I can't think of anyone. Mm -hmm. Like Barbara Streisand mm -hmm. is like circling my mind. Mm -hmm. and, and what's funny is I'm thinking about like what I would be doing if I was listening to this as a listener. Like if I got, you know, downloaded a podcast where two people were paying, playing 20 questions and well, got to this narrow Why is point, such an idiot? there is something like... I don't know what I would be thinking at this point, but whatever it would be, I'm curious to know if I'd be really certain of it, um, depending on how well that person knew me. Okay, has she been in the news in the last year? Define the news. I won't charge you a question. I'll ask you to define the news. On tour, doing something newsworthy. Is she active in the media? Sure. Sure, yes. That doesn't mean that she, like, tweet. Yeah. Yeah. She's still an active celebrity. I'll give you that as an answer to that question. What number are we on? middle questions already too busy thinking but you've got an image in your mind and you're trying to fit somebody into that image now doesn't matter how many questions it's taken so is there some other way to narrow it down I'll give you another synopsis of it she's an American uh, singer she's obviously white blonde hair she's currently active she's over 35 years old she is not the girls that you've mentioned so far so now what what how do you want to narrow it down and she's been active recently in the media. Oh, yeah, so she sang with a band. Um, does she sing country music? Yes. Is she Dolly Parton? Yes. 16 questions. I literally thought Dolly Parton from like question six on. I was like, there's no way. 16 questions. She hasn't been in the news in the past year. She totally has. She's been on stage with Taylor Swift in the past year. She's, you said, on tour, on stage. I asked you specifically to define that answer. Fine. Did I not? That was the one I was, I knew you. You also gave me blonde, by the way. 16. I said, was she a brunette? And you said no. 16. You said blonde. And then you said naturally, and you refuted whether or not that should cost you, so I just told you blonde. I don't think she's naturally blonde. Is, doesn't matter. But I said I don't know to the answer to that question. That's what so I was I gave about. you blonde. All right. As an answer. Good okay. job. I got 16. it. 16. Dolly. 16 questions <laughs> later. Listen. All right. I'll do the favor of asking some questions that are really simple. Okay? Okay. All right. So we already started the, the podcast. So one, who are you? What's your name? Alexandra Wagner Newfield. Two, how old are you? 35. Before you establish that too. Three. What do you do for a living? I'm an educator. I'm a social sculptor. My title? Mm -hmm. Director of high school admissions and college completion. Girls prep, Lower East Side Middle School. You're right. I like social sculptor better. Me um, too. Tell me about your school, uh, but let me find that into, let me form that into a question you can answer shortly. So four, how many kids are in the school? 250. 250 all girls? Five? Mm -hmm. 10 to uh, 14 year olds. 10 to 14 year olds. Um, 
Six. How many white girls are in your school? Currently one. One of 200. Fatima. What is her name? One named Fatima. Yeah. Out of 250. <laughs> that was question number six. She's blonde. Like Dolly. Six. I mean, seven. Um, what do you do with this school again? For, I don't, I, like, I get your title, but what do you actually do? Right. So we are kindergarten through eighth grade, all girls charter middle school. Our elementary school is... 250 is K through eight? Nope. Just five through eight. Okay. So we have an elementary school separate location on okay. Houston. Gotcha. There are five. So you don't have any interaction with those kids? I mean, they come Until and visit come sometimes. Home. Okay. We gotcha. go down there and do, like, mentoring shit. Your job title no. doesn't relate to their life at all. No. So, um... So I do all the outgoing high school placement for our 8th graders. 5th to 8th grade? Yeah. Okay. 8. Um, what, what is your average Monday? Um, like you want me to go through the day? I mean, just an overview. Well, it starts at 7. First of all, what does Fatima do? And then secondly, what do the okay. 249 students do? First of all, what does Fatima do? Just first of all, what does that what do I do? <laughs> I can I can try just, and draw just give me a parallel your day. So sure, I'm, yeah, parallel. That's perfect. Parallel okay. my day, your day to Fatima's. Day. Okay, great. Um, so I get there at seven. I'm not calling her out because she's white, but she's the only one whose name I know. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. So, yeah. um, to protect her identity, I will refrain from putting her last name in here. I, I should hope so. Yes. Um, so I get there at 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. Fatima walks in the front door at 7.30. Oftentimes I run into her, she and her mom at Starbucks. Uh -huh. And okay. I don't ask what she's... What grade is she in? Five, fifth. Okay. Yeah, she's 10. This is still question eight, by the way. Yeah, no, totally. Right. Um, she walks in at 7.30. I see her in the cafeteria because I do breakfast duty on Mondays. Yeah. So we spend a half an hour at breakfast. She sits with her class. It feels more like an interview now, doesn't it? It does. Okay, good. I'm just listening. Then a conversation. Right. Yeah. But it's interesting to feel that dynamic shift. I'm totally listening and engaged. I hope you don't mind talking about this. But like now that we're in, past the game, it feels more like an interview. You're just thinking about it from the production standpoint yeah. and the listener yeah. standpoint. Yeah, okay. both. And, for your, and empathizing with you. Like I, Although I'm totally interested in this, and I think people would be interested in this, um, and interested to know how you would frame it, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just also acknowledging what I think we probably both noticed is that it feels more like an interview now. Also because a lot of this you already know. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not probably... Fatima. You don't know anything well, about Fatima. No, I don't. But that's pro that's a really good point. That's probably the thing that makes an interview seem more like an interview, is when I'm asking questions to which... The answers to which I already know. Yeah, you're leading. Yeah. Um, that is interviewing. Got it. That's a really great... Uh, metric for measuring a conversation and measuring the kind of questions that I'm asking is in a conversation you don't ask questions to which you already know the answer. Right. So the, that's probably the biggest difference in the two. And when something's Types new, when it's new information, like uh -huh. the last podcast you played for me, uh -huh. and there were new details added to the story, sure, it felt much more authentic that you were then clarifying, like, oh, but how did right. how did that happen? Right. Like, and then what else was going on? Makes sense. Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's, but it's, it, uh, what I'm interested in is I wonder if I can find examples, maybe this American life, but I wonder, if, excuse me, I can find examples of interviewers who are good at hiding that fact, who are good at having a conversation that seems like they don't know any, it seems like it's all new information. 
to the interviewer, um, even though they are highly prepared. Jesse does that. Jesse I think Jesse knows some that. answers. Yes, I like that. That yeah. he sets up and frames, right? Because like, he's already done his homework, yeah. but the audience doesn't, and he wants to make sure that the audience knows, so that he can totally. then follow up with like, okay, but what else happened? Right. Clearly, that was the right answer, and then what? And you can kind of jump on Jesse's side, like the the the, the idea. We're going to get back to Fatima and the, the day. I hope the idea of um, journalism to me is that the journalist, whoever it is, whether it's the camera or the person talking or the interviewer or whatever, the person telling the story, or the, the, the I should say not the person, the means for telling the story not is that. such that the audience can empathize, right? So if I watch an interview- Or just follow Someone it. says- Less like, oh, I get what you were going through, more like, what the fuck are they talking about? Right, totally. And when they get to a point where the person asking the question seems to understand something that I don't, I wonder, why didn't he ask that? Right, right. Don't just breeze past that. I want sure. to understand that. Sure. Right? And Go you're acting like that. you already know that yeah. answer. I don't know that answer. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is a balance there of like, the Charlie Rose, as one side of the spectrum, to me at least, where he asks the obvious question over and over and over again to like walk the person through the story, even though everyone involved knows, Charlie knows the answer to that question. But obviously we have to put the story together. Right? We have to piece it from A to, right. B, to right. A to Z, but we have all these steps. Um, so Jesse Thorne doesn't seem to be doing that. What Jesse Thorne seems to be doing is, I'm going to ask you this so you can answer that so we can get to this. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm leading you into this other thing, so now let's talk deeply about this. Let's establish that we both understand the same things between A and R, and then from there on, we're going to just have a conversation. So he finds a way to kind of, like, ease it in. Yeah, which feels much more like it's delivering a package to an audience, right. rather than Marin, who's like, Having yeah. a conversation, but interviewing, and also only thing that he co continues to circle back to is like what he was going through at that time. Yeah. My life, oh yeah, I know New York because blah, 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 yeah. blah, and it's like... It's very Marin-centric. Yeah. But, which I, I'm not knocking, it's clearly the thing that his comedy is Marin-centric, his show is Marin-centric, yeah, that's his vibe. obviously his podcast sure. is Marin-centric. Sure. And it's the, th it's the thing he knows, it's, he was a radio personality, it's all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I... And trying, I, I'm aspiring at this point to be the opposite, to be an engaging person where a conversation goes wherever the person the interviewee to wants, it, wants to it to go, and With to whatever less degree consideration that I can, of the audience for the audience. Well, to whatever degree that, that I can, I'm just alley ooping what you want to talk about. Okay, you know what I mean, like. That's the idea. In the, in the ultimate execution... How do you know I really want to talk about my Monday morning? And Fatima, specifically. Um, I wish I knew more about her, like, as a person. I actually effing Peter, and I'll explain what that is in a minute. You actually effing Peter? I know, it sounds kind of it, scandalous, what right? Why would so you we do use that a, in school? <laughs> when we have new fifth graders come in, we use um, a, like, 
a literacy tool. It's a it's a, it's a test basically. It's a reading test uh -huh. to determine what level they're at uh -huh. to see if they're um, on grade level in terms of their fluency so and their comprehension. Like day one of school or like first like summer? It, September. Like at some after point, school starts. At yeah, some point you like during test. the school day within the first couple okay. weeks of school. Everyone, English teachers, I'm English certified, so like I often have to be a lot of kids, but there's like, it's a letter system. It's Fontas and Pinnell are the designers, the creators of this program, and A through Z. So a Z plus reader. What is F and Peter? Then? F and P is F the system. F and her. Right. Got it. Not okay. F and Peter. Wow. <laughs> Peter <laughs> Thorne. F. Peter Yorn. Yeah. F um, and P apostrophe deed. Her. Yeah. So I sat with Fatima for about 30 minutes in September. I'd never met her before. And we went through different levels of reading. She reads a short story to me. I ask questions about it. And then we go further to dictate decoding and comprehension influence. How short of a story? It's about two and a half minutes. Okay. Two and, and a half minutes for... Her to read aloud to me. For the per like at the reading level that she should be. It should take two yeah. and a half minutes. Yeah. If it takes roughly. five minutes, we have a problem. Yeah, so okay. there's like obviously larger font for the, you know, like okay. the easier books. Um, okay. They're in little books. And How many pages is this two and a half minutes? What they expect out of a seven or eight page, like two and a half page. pages. Two and a half pages. Allowed, and then there's usually like another page. page. How many words on a page? Um, it's a good question. Thank you. She should be reading about, they're usually reading somewhere between like, 90 and 130 words a minute. So these are like pretty big font, double spaced, kids yeah. book. Yeah, with subtitles, format. there's okay. pictures and charts and stuff. 100 words. Yeah, they're like, 10. She's yeah, 10. It's poetry. Yeah. Totally. No, point. it's like, no, usually like the phrasing of the, the size of the word, the ratio of words to page size kind of thing. Like we're talking about po like looking at a, a poem with you know a few lines and stanzas and stuff. There's a bunch of sentences. But it's not like me reading Moby Dick. It's not like a page with 11 points. It's like fonts. reading a children's book. Right. It's yeah. reading a children's book. But yeah. it's just no pictures. It's just top to bottom, like 16-point font or whatever. And there are pictures and there are charts. And there oh, are, wow. Okay. So usually they're about, they're, us, they're always nonfiction. And they're oh. usually about things like polar bears or um, like, there's a, there's one on fishing, actually. It's funny. I mean, okay. I think about like you guys out in the like, lake. <laughs> like you guys, all, you and your you people, you, your you, people, you, your people, your folk. Uh -huh. Um, yeah. So there was a little bit of a scandal with Fatima after her F and P because she. God, that's such a terrible acronym. Okay, sorry. There was a scandal after her F and P without knowing what it is. Man, she just had such an F and P in all. <laughs> <laughs> she do that <laughs> we just had this day where Fatima just effing peed in all <laughs> jeez what am I supposed to do now it does all it right. sounds like she effing peed herself she yeah. effing peed her pants <laughs> okay anyway she didn't test at grade level she tested below grade level and uh, mom was not happy about that got it. and demanded a retest and right. a reading specialist had to intervene so this is early in the year what grade was she She's still fifth grade, September this gotcha. year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in the morning, I meet her in the cafeteria. That's just uh, where we left off. So just point one thing out. I just want to clarify. Is it possible that Fatima is about to be the only white girl in her school for three straight years and then go to high school? 
Yeah, quite possibly. Okay, just curious. Last year, I thought I told you about Vanessa or showed you pictures of Vanessa. Or... Vanessa and Patricia, oh, we're sisters. Our sisters, okay. they're still alive. Oh, well. oh, sorry. Sorry. Shit. Um, they were two year. they were a year apart and both the only white girls in our school uh-huh. for those four years that I've been there. Patricia so graduated last year. Forget about it later. I can't cut that out. No worries. Okay. okay. Cool. Um, Patricia graduated last year, so if Fatima didn't come in this year, there would be zero. Gotcha. Uh, a good question that I'd like to ask you to ask me is how many white or how many people of color are teaching Fatima? How many people of color are teaching Fatima? In the fifth grade, zero. Nine. That's the ninth question. And in our school, she would potentially have a black math teacher next year. Which would mean what? That the entire year is just sixth grade black teachers. No, 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 just math. We have a different teacher for each subject. Gotcha. So I want to make sure I'm understanding what sure. you're suggesting specifically, not suggesting, explaining, is that from an experiential standpoint, you and the entire rest of the staff of the school, with one possible exception in Fatima's three-year career at Four. the school, will be all white administrators and teachers and et cetera, and then you have 249 black students and one white student, and potentially one to how many black teachers? Yeah, not, so, well, it's an all-girls school. I'm just like giving additional context, right? We have one male staff member who is Ecuadorian. He teaches Spanish. Ecuadorian and he teaches Spanish. To to only seventh and eighth grade. To only seventh and eighth grade. So Fatima will never have him this year or next. We have an African-American sixth grade math teacher. And we have an African-American eighth grade math teacher. Okay. That's it. So... So she could have in her academic courses, which is one out of seven, eight courses she's taking next year. So every year she has English, math, social studies, science, art, gym, Mm -hmm. and theater. Okay, so seven periods, um, art, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Were totally my favorite classes, but let's just clarify. Sure. Not classroom settings. Right. They are classroom settings. Oh, really? We don't consider them content, core content classes. Okay. They're called but very pets, different, which are specials, the rotation. Five, six and seven are very different courses, experiences. Yes. Than the rest of the class. Totally. However, she still has an art and a theater teacher. Yep. Um, and phys ed. And They're all white. Okay. All white. Yep. One exception, possibly, in the first two years of her being there. And if she had, if she... That's a thousand. From fifth grade to eighth grade, she's going to have three teachers who aren't white. If everyone stays on if staff. If she happens to, yeah, yeah, navigate that system. That's right. And then there are 249 all African-American students. No, it's probably, I don't know how it's, it's like 60, 40, or 50, 50 African-American to Latina. 249. Mm-hmm. Split. Something like that. Yeah, between... it's probably pretty even at yep. this at this juncture. And then there's Fatima. Yeah. Um, what 
This is question nine, and we're going to get back to what's the average Monday. I don't want to work through that. But question nine or ten or whatever the hell um, is: How does someone qualify to be a student at your school at Girls Prep? Get the lock, lucky lottery number. How many people apply to that lottery? More than we have seats. Every year we have, so you figure there's 75 seats per grade. And we have more kids on the wait Less list in the younger grades. Because you've got 250 total. Sure. So our 8th grade class is smaller. We have 44 in our 8th grade class. Um, Fewer 8th grade applicants? Or do you have to come in at 5th grade? No. We backfill, which means that we let kids in all the way up. Through. Just whatever fills up, fills up. The, the ideal is that we have them from kindergarten on sure. through, yeah. because statistically, the longer they're with us, the and understanding the extended day and the uh, rigor and uh, the, just the, the degree of um, difficulty our, our classwork um, right. requires, the better off they do academically and the more prepared they are for better so, schools. So um, a kid we get in seventh grade or eighth grade typically comes to us because you don't want to uproot a kid in the middle of middle school anyway. Sure. That's like sure. a, it's yeah. a terrible time anyway. Mm -hmm. So you want that consistency. And what you, percentage go from fifth to eighth grade with you? Uh, the majority. Okay. The majority. I don't, I don't know what that's just the probably Whatever it is, 75, 75 to yeah. 40 is the pipeline. It, like it filters down to roughly that. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, sorry. That might not have been, not have been clear. We always had two homerooms. So homeroom is typically like 25 kids, roughly, okay. 22 to uh, 28 on average. Um, we are now extending to three homerooms per grade. Okay, got it. So it so will get larger. Next year, We're not at you'll capacity. have 75 eighth graders. Next year, we will have 45 eighth graders. Eventually, you'll Eventually have 75 we'll have of every grade. Maybe more. We have like 90 fifth graders. What can your facilities support? Question 10. Let's. Fewer than that, but we co-locate, which means that we share all charter schools, share a building, share a facility with an existing Department of Education public school, district school. So co-locate doesn't mean that you take your population and spread it over two campuses. Instead, it means you take your population and share it with another campus. In a building. In a building. Right. Yeah. But wow. we also do the former, uh -huh. which is that we have a separate location for our elementary school. Different grades, right. And that's because it's New York City and they're just terrible spacing options. What happens to a girl who can't get into girls' prep? She goes to her I local district them. middle school. Her district middle school. Right. So she might live in Brownsville, where homeboy yeah. said, and yeah. Rough she's going to that terrible middle school yeah. where she's going to have teachers that either are under, underqualified or... Not Qu working really hard. Question 12, yeah. Let's um, explain to me why Brownsville Middle School is a terrible place to go. For because a, for a girl, specifically. It's, it's only not terrible because it's conveniently located. Right, it's so terrible even if you because live next to the school. That's the only advantage, is okay. that it's very close. Outside of that, you walk next door and you go to school every day. What's your life like? Well, this is a vast generalization, sure. right? So I, I've seen maybe a handful of Brownsville middle schools. Okay. Um, How many but are there? A dozen, maybe? A couple dozen? I have no How idea. It's huge. How many square miles do you think Brownsville is? Eight? Ten? I literally just guessed that number. I have no fucking clue. Fine. So let's say ten on the high side. Ten square? It's probably, it's probably lower than miles. that. Miles. 
square miles. No, it's probably less than that. It's probably four or five. Four or five square miles. Yeah. And we're saying there's 12 middle schools. Probably, yeah. That's the density that we're talking about. 12 middle schools, four or five square miles. And now let's describe just an average middle school in Brownsville, to the best of your knowledge. Right, so crowded classrooms, 30, 35 plus kids at each. Um, Co-ed, obviously, right. yeah. um, which means that there are boys there, mm -hmm. middle school boys. Not necessarily your age. Some of them failed. Some of them got held back. Some of them are a couple years older than you. As are the girls. Right. Yeah, sure. totally. Yeah. So as a teacher, you're teaching fifth grade, and you might have 12-year-olds in there. You might have 14-year-olds in there. Yep. Yeah. And they're all in the fifth grade. And they're it's packed. you got 30 of them. And... Right. They're and all there are 12 of these in one neighborhood in one borough of New York City. Right. There are five boroughs. There's how many, take a guess, neighborhoods, neighborhoods in Brooklyn? There's 1.1 million students in the New York City Department of Education school system. New York City. Yeah, five boroughs. Yeah. Five boroughs. That's not including girls' prep or charter schools at all. Only public schools. Correct. How many total? 1.1 million. So K to 12. Brownsville. One neighborhood, we're talking about a dozen schools, each of which has just an overflowing number of students all over the place. Usually five to eight hundred. Right. Yeah. Um, how, do you have any idea of like the, the citywide statistics of graduation or getting through? Oh yeah. Whatever? High school because, graduation? Yeah. Like what's the percentage? 65%. Public. Yeah. Public school graduation is 65%. It's, it's got, it's on the up. It's the highest it's ever been. It's right. probably closer to 70. Yeah. Maybe 68. So, uh, Phenomenal number for the public school system is that 30% of these kids, 30%, is that right? A, don't like a fantastic number for the New York oh, State oh, public oh. school system. High number don't graduate. 30% is that 300,000 out of a million yeah. don't graduate from high school. Right. In New York, the, the, the norm is that more than 300,000 kids out of a million don't graduate from high school. To is clarify? That, is that, am I no. understanding that properly? Because okay. there's not 1.1 million kids graduating in 12th grade every year. Gotcha, okay, that makes 1. sense. 1.1 1 kindergarten so through 12th grade. Oh, in the total school system. So what I do, right, okay, the eighth right. grade In the application. public school system, right. Yeah, but like in the public school system, eighth graders, right. citywide, five boroughs, there are 80,000 every gotcha. year. Gotcha, okay, that helps. 80,000 eighth graders. Eighth graders. It, the number of graduating seniors, probably... How many kindergartners are there? 40? I don't know. I mean, like, double it. I have no idea. Lots. But there are 80,000 eighth graders and 40,000 seniors. I don't know 40. That's my guess. Um, Maybe. So it's a much harder filter than I was even anticipating. Like, it's more than, more than 30% don't graduate from the system. No, the numbers are using the 12th grade gotcha. stats. Okay. So every year, the citywide graduation rate. But it's is not 300,000, it's closer correct. to right. you know, 30 or 40,000. I mean, it's 30% of 40,000. Oh, okay, gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Does that right. make sense? Okay. okay. So, so 15,000. Uh, 12,000. Yeah. 12,000. Across the city. Uh, 10,000 or so. Yeah. Every year. It's a lot of fucking people. Of students who aren't graduating. Way less than I was thinking, but still, we're talking about 12,000 
yeah. seventh and eighth graders dropping out or et cetera, like who knows. Well, but third, somewhere ninth, in tenth, eleventh, yeah, twelfth, somewhere yeah. in that spectrum. And the so, majority of them right. are from areas like Brownsville. Right, areas like Brownsville. Tell me a little bit about, first of all, okay, so here's what I know about Brownsville. This is, you can help me. Have you been there? I've been there, yeah. Okay, you've already got more information than me. Here's why. Uh, I, can't, I couldn't get to Brownsville if I tried. Um, I know, like, what I mean is on my own, without looking at a map and trying to figure out, et cetera, if I just walked outside and tried to get to Brownsville, I don't know where to go. I know basically, sort of, that if I go past, if I take the L train from, you know, which runs from the west side of Manhattan across 14th Street, goes across Manhattan, crosses the East River, and gets to the Bedford stop and the Lorimer stop and et cetera, et cetera, and eventually runs through Hipsterville and then Bushwick, and on one side is Bushwick and all kinds of industrial stuff, and on the other side is Bed-Stuy, and I'm running along Broadway, and et cetera. And then I know that if I get past Bushwick and Bed-Stuy, which is as far in Brooklyn as I have ever even tried to go, mm -hmm. and I've gone all over Brooklyn, with one exception, which is way south Brooklyn, which in which case I still haven't quite gotten to Coney Island yet. Um, out of 10 years. Is that true? You've never here. been? I've never been to Coney Island. Oh. But I have stayed as far um, as, you know, way Bensonhurst, down. Bay Ridge, you know, that area. Like, I don't, I've never stayed in Bensonhurst, but I've stayed in Bay Ridge and I've stayed, uh, what was that other place? I went like way down there. Uh, I stayed there last summer um, for like a month. Anyway, at any rate, I've gone further and further down the F train. Like, mm -hmm. way, like I've gone to Church Street on the G. That's and then like Windsor Terrace, Midwood. Yeah. Further, what's right past Midwood? Kensington? Somewhere in there. Right. But on the south side of Brooklyn, where it's still along the coast and et cetera, et cetera, and eventually. Sunset you know, Park? Right. Yeah, been at Sunset Park. Um, I've never taken the L or the for the up. FM, you know, I mean, not F, uh, the JMZ, mm -hmm. uh, as they head toward on the map toward the cemetery. I've never, I may have driven out there in yeah. some way or another going to like the Rockaways to the beach or something right. like that and kind of gone, you know, navigated around there in some way. But I've never gotten out of the train there. I've never gotten out of the car there. And from Bed-Stuy East, due east, I've never been out there. What I know of Brownsville is that you go further than that. Right. And then so just south of the cemetery somewhere, mm -hmm. you get out and that's Brownsville. Right. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, so is that it's on massive. the L or the JMZ? I've only driven out there. Um, so we do home visits right. for a lot of our students. And uh, what that entails is the week before, like a couple weeks before school starts, we go out to their home, whether it's in the projects in Brownsville or in the projects on Avenue D. Um, and we go and we sit with them in the living room and we sort of present our family handbook and we yeah. talk about our school and how we're excited to have your kid. It's um, a normal situation. In the home? Yeah, what is it? What do you walk into in that situation? I mean, when you say we, is it just you? Is it when you say you normal, if there isn't well, one. Right. So, like, um, what's. Is it you and one other person? It's usually me. I've done so you many of them that I can go. I feel comfortable going on my sure. own, but they don't encourage our new, right. often, like, green staff to go venture to go. off into the hood. Yeah, and just go hang out. Right. The Vietnam um, projects. So, usually so, it's me and one other person. Who's the other person? Usually a new teacher. Okay. So that so I am a director, I've been there for a while, I know right. the school. Like, the, if a parent asks a difficult question, or just any question, that the new staff member's clearly going to have no idea what the right. answer is, I can be like, oh, oh yeah, that's, you know, right. we just talked to the family coordinator and blah, blah, blah. 
Okay, so perfect. We're on question like 13 or 14 anyway. We're going to go on to 16. Um, we've abandoned the Monday thing. We don't have enough questions to finish that. So let's, uh -oh. let's go through. It's fine. Or I could just ask you more questions. Um, but in that meeting now. Mm -hmm. Home visit? I've been watching The Wire a lot. Okay. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you. Yeah. But I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, and it reminds me of when I moved on to Montrose in 2008. Okay. Excuse me. Um, I, I like to say that I helped gentrify Montrose. You Montrose. like to say that? I like to say that that's, that's the quickest way that I can explain what I, what I feel about that period of time, which is 2008, 2009, early part of 2010, somewhere in there, I kind of navigated, uh, my ex and I moved on to, moved into an apartment. Wow. Do you hear that? Yeah, yeah. Sure okay, wow. That's impressive. Welcome to Brooklyn. Um, yeah. This is the, the really nice part. Um, very, <laughs> very nice part. You have stairs um, in here. I know. Stairs <laughs> in my apartment. Uh, so, which is not my apartment. <laughs> um, so anyway, when I moved to Montrose, um, we moved there because you get out of the subway on Montrose, you cross the street, and you stick the key in the door, and you walk inside. That's why you and moved there? And it's a brand new apartment building, and I was the first renter in my apartment, and I was the third floor. There was me and then a roof uh, unit, which was a duplex unit, but I could go get to the roof bypassing that duplex unit with one flight of stairs, and I have a whole roof deck that almost no one ever uses. I had a balcony, a washer and dryer, a dishwasher, two-bedroom apartment, the works. Yeah, by the way, these things aren't normal in New York City apartments. That doesn't apartments. exist. <laughs> that doesn't exist. And not only does it not exist... Mind-blowing amenities. Yeah, not only does it not exist, I got it for, drumroll, $2,600 a month, and that was such an insane steal to me. That's that a lot of money in 2008. It is a lot of money. But even then, that that set of features directly across the street from a subway, because like my theory that I brought up earlier, I don't think of paying rent for where I am. I think of paying rent for the access that I have to everything else. Mm. Right. So living across the street from a subway, I was like, hell yeah. And it's on the L, so two stops, three stops, I'm in Bedford. Great. Mm -hmm. This is awesome. Like three stops, I can get home from being in Bedford. Four stops, I'm in Manhattan, and I'm I've got a fantastic place that is four stops from Union Square. Five stops. Mm -hmm. Fantastic, amazing. And I was working in the city at the time. Montrose. You were one of just few white people in that neighborhood. We were the first people to move into the building. We were the only new building on the block, and every old building on the block was Italians, Puerto Ricans, and black. Okay, so not um, the only white people in the neighborhood. The only white people. The only new white people. Young white people. The only young white people. By the time I left, a year or so later, it was swarming mm. with gentrified young to... white people. Wow. Right? Oh, it's During that year, every time I walked out on my balcony and looked down the flight of stairs and onto the street, I saw no exaggeration anywhere from seven to 15 uniformed police officers just standing on the corner. Why? Just standing there. Seven to 15? Sometimes, literally, what I would define as a crowd of police officers standing on the corner in full uniform with their guns and billy sticks and the whole thing. Why? Just standing on the corner. Protecting watching your fancy people new walk building? out. Exactly. 
What? Protecting oh. the block. Okay. Scaring off the crime. Oh. Right? Just a presence. Just a police presence. Hmm. Big Brother is here. Is watching you. It was so persistent. It's surprising that there were enough of you, you gentrifying. There weren't. There were enough landlords who wanted it. But that the, the, they the, the landlords had that much clout to get the cops there is surprising. Two blocks down the street was a police station, to be fair. Oh, okay, so they were in the hood. And they might have been do, local but family it was very cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. for a year. Okay. By the time I left, the street was crawling. Montrose stop was crawling, and in fact, the next stop on the L train was Morgan, and it was starting to really pop. Now, there's Morgan, and there's Jefferson, and it keeps going down to yeah. the Calb and Wyckoff. The Calb is popping now, and there's like five stops past Montrose. Is Calb like the ninth or tenth? Oops, sorry. The ninth or tenth? Something like that, maybe. And what we're talking about it's past all of that is in Brownsville. Yeah, oh yeah, way past. And we're talking about way past where all where any new young money is moving in, where people are popping up coffee shops and donut shops and the crow nuts and whatever. Like none of that stuff exists. What exists is New York fried chicken, a, a deli of some sort, a liquor store, you know, a couple of like cash money places, cash or rent check kind of deal. And that's a check cashing places. On the yeah, right, sorry. Uh, so on that's that's all on the stop. Right? I mean, if you walk two or three blocks, there's nothing. There's either big big warehouses or big housing projects or nothing or like just you get further and further away, my point is, from late at night people walking around and such. Um, it's late, late at, night, at night people walking around and such, but they're not people not that are safely. Not safely. Right? Very much. Not so. like well to do people just walking from the subway to Certainly home. not. People walking around and such means hookers and drug dealers and people like walking around up to no good. Right. Right? Yeah. Okay, so now we're talking about Brownsville. Mm -hmm. For way past all that stuff. Yep. Right? The place where people have been ostracized and put out of the way mm -hmm. financially. Mm -hmm. They've been done, that has happened to them because it's the only they can afford. Right. And it's generational. Mm -hmm. And there's housing projects where, oh yeah, cool, if you want welfare and food stamps, you can also live in the houses projects. And by the way, that project is way out there. Right. Right. And then if you want to have a house cleaning job or you want to send your kids to school or whatever, it's out there or it's get on the train and come all the way in here. Have you been in a housing project? In Montrose, the point of how this connected because I was one of the early people moving into this building and that, that building was the first one on the block and et cetera, et cetera, directly behind us in Montrose, which is still there, but it's not the same, was a housing project. So if I wanted to cross the block diagonally, instead of going up and over, I could cross through the housing project and get to the diagonal other side of the block, which is where the Mexican uh, supermarket was, mm -hmm. right? Great supermarket tons of cool spices and stuff that were similar to what my parents buy in South Texas. How was the produce? Um, great. Oh, it, okay. it was great. Like, it was consistent. Way better than the deli, but more importantly, it was way cheaper than Kim's Millennial Market, mm -hmm. which is around the corner. Kim's is famously organic and et cetera, et cetera, and really expensive. That was on the corner. But if you cross... You had a block, fancy organic market by the time you guys moved in there? Exactly. Huh. It was owned by the same landlords. Smart. 
Very smart. They were buying up all over the place. Uh, Big racket. So the point is that, but you crossed through the property, right? You didn't go up into the diagonally through exactly. Just crossing through the property as a grown ass man walking my pit bull in the middle of the afternoon, less than a block from my home, Mm -hmm. from my apartment. Mm -hmm. I always. And having grown up around criminals my whole life, mm-hmm. I always felt that there was a constant threat of something potentially dangerous happening right in front of me or to me or at me. Always. I never walked through there. I never got to the point in a year and a half where I felt comfortable walking dying. I did it all the time. But I never got to the point where I felt so comfortable where I didn't think about that. Do you always walk through there? Occasionally, but yeah. with Chica only, and you know, early morning or that kind of thing. Right. Never by herself. Never by herself. Um, even to, even though that's the grocery store, that's the one grocery store. Yeah. You, you can see it, right? You can walk right? a block up see it and a block over, which isn't that much better. Right. Where you walk through the parking lot. Right. I mean, through the uh, the project. That was not because we felt uh, a racial minority. It, it's not consciously, at least why I felt that way. It was because, for me at least, there was constant crime there. We constantly hear about people getting shot or people getting stabbed or there was some crazy fight or some car got lit on fire or whatever. Like Just some crazy things were happening a block away from this crowd of police officers for a year or so. It just happened all the time. Do you think conscious or or not that there was a... that you had some degree of uh, apprehension about being white and being a target for crime crossing through there? Um, I had more of a conscious consideration of gentrifying the place, of being looked at as someone who's taking Pushing the people land. out. That was more right. the type of Warranting that, yeah. crime? Warranting like a mugging, maybe? But really, like, not even... I, was, I didn't walk across that project feeling afraid for my life or my safety. What I walked across there feeling conscious of is this is a fairly dangerous place on its own. Not because I'm white, but because there are guns and because bullets fly through the air really quickly and sometimes they don't hit their target and they hit other things because this is a thing where people, like, people are hostile and it's an environment that is hostile. And on top of all of that, on top of that environment, I represent something that's unwanted. It wasn't about race. It was about the situation. Yeah, the projects are really fucking terrible. The insides so, of the projects are really fucking terrible. So you went into I've been in, the Brownsville projects. I've been in... Tons of them. Yeah, lots of neighborhoods. So you go into Bronx, those situations. Harlem, everywhere, yeah. Where people are raising their kids in that situation. Yeah. And trying to get their kids out of that situation. Oftentimes the front doors don't work at all. The, de- the doorbells never work. Like, the buzzers n- yeah. never work. Right. There's usually some suspicious-looking characters hanging out outside. Yep. Um, the lights are usually out, mm-hmm. so it's dark, yep. which is scary, even though we're there in broad daylight. Um, but, like, hallways are dark and lights are out. Right. Always smells like smoke. Usually weed. Always right. cigarettes. Right. Um, the elevators smell like piss, always. Sometimes puke. Right. If the elevators work. But when they do... Um, it's just like you feel like it's gonna it's like you feel like it's a death trap right. like it's like hanging on by a thread you know 
Um, yeah, you get off on the floor, you don't like the sounds that you hear are, it's a sensory overload experience from someone who... How long did it take you before you felt, not that you necessarily ever feel comfortable in that experience, but never how, long, did. how long did it take you before you could kind of settle into it and get into the rhythm, at least know what to expect and how to deal with it, how to navigate it? My favorite story about this is very brief, but um, one of my favorite students, uh, she graduated two years ago. Um, I went and did her home visit in the projects on Avenue D. She lived like equivalent to like 4th Street, but close to the FDR, you know, the big brick building. Right. And her mom was lovely, and they, her Puerto Rican family, and she lived with her mom, her grandmother, her brother, her brother's girlfriend, her cousin, and her cousin's baby. How big is this place? Two bedroom apartment. They were on the- How many adults? Uh, mom, grandma, cousin, who was like in her 20s. Yep. And brother was like probably 19. Okay. So four. Uh-huh. Christina was 14, uh-huh. 13. And then the baby was the baby. Right. So seven people. Couple dogs. Five, four or five adults, give or take. Couple dogs, seven people yeah. total. Yeah. Living in a two bedroom apartment. I mean, it was like a nice apartment. Good. Flat right. screen, fish tank, yeah, cool. leather couches. Yeah. Like it was hooked up. AC, which uh-huh. I like, Great. might have been the only. Yeah. Might have been the only apartment I've ever been to in the projects that I had yeah. um, But the funny thing is, is her mom knew I was coming, of course. We scheduled, you know, right. over the phone. I'm coming at 2 o'clock on Tuesday, whatever. And uh, I go and I call downstairs because, of course, the, bell, the buzzer doesn't work. Hey, we're downstairs. We're coming up. You know, great. Come on up. And she goes, uh, she's like, um, she's like, yeah, yeah, I always know. Everybody in the, in the, everybody in the neighborhood always knows when home visits happen. It's the only time you ever see white people from Girls Prep walking through here. I'm like, yep. yep. I never feel comfortable there. And not that I feel unsafe. I don't feel comfortable. I'm not but part you of the You community. can't disappear there. I you don't. are noticed the moment you step For off the sure. train or out of your car or even drive through. It's not like you can accidentally ignore the fact that you stand out like a sore thumb. Sure. Not and because it's not like I'm the you, only white like, person. Sure. But there is a difference. Absolutely. I'm in my girls' prep polo shirt. Right. Yep. Um, what do those meetings go like? 15, let's say. I mean... Question 15, that is. Okay. I mean, the, the gamut. There are some that are really unsettling and awful. There are some that are really boring and just you go through the motions. The goal is to just present the information, do an introduction, and the purpose, the rationale we give is that, you know... We are. We spend ten hours a day with your child, with your daughter. We want our home at school to be as welcoming and as inviting as your home is for her as well. Right. And so that we have an understanding of like the space where she eats, the space where she studies, the space where she eats, like has, yeah, yeah, like yeah. where does she sleep? Right. And there, I mean, the worst is when they just sit, refuse. They flat out right. refuse and say, right. "You're not coming." Yeah. No. Then they come to school and we give them the information and the expectations and the uniform and all that stuff. But like, very often, you know, they, it's obvious that there's been some overhaul of the apartment before we get there. Right. Major yeah. cleaning right. spree. Right. Like, they're right. coming, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. the fuzz is on the way. Yeah. And it's not a, it's not a gotcha thing, right? It's right, a, yeah, no, it's just, you know, let's make a good impression, let's not be... 
I mean, I've had some incredible experiences. They've there's been like you know platters of food sure, and right. just like yeah. huge, huge um, you know spreads of please help yourself like traditional Dominican food right. and just like yeah. unbelievable. Cool. Please try this yeah. and the grandma's there and she's cracking jokes and like yeah. you know come play with our dog and I'm like on the Good floor rolling around with the dog. Of course. Um, so it's all over the map. Um, I, love, I love that while we're describing the really difficult section of Brooklyn to, in which to live and the really easy section in which to live uh, Brooklyn, we're hearing sirens like every sure. five minutes, <laughs> every 15 yeah, minutes. Totally. It's just there's so many people. It's just yeah. that simple. There's just so many damn people here. That's right. Um, and everywhere you go, there's just tons of them. And it's like a, it's like a democratic... I mean, not, uh, 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 demographic, uh, statistical, like playground. If you want to study human beings, New York is a fantastic place to look at stuff because yeah. you just there's so many of everything. And to be tested test by the elements. Of things. Yeah, I live a mile from here, right? right? And I would say it equally as densely populated and mm-hmm. probably yeah. like by a fraction slightly less safe or right. less gentrified, right. but yeah. not by much. Yeah. Um, Whereas Brownfield is, you know, exponentially more... Oh, it's all black. It's like 90... Yeah. I think the stat's like 97... But more dangerous because it's completely secluded. It's just way out. It's right, the wild right. west. It's way out there. Sure. Not even the gentrification yeah. stats. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Brownsville is the murder, ca- murder capital of New York, right. I think. Pretty sure. More than the Vietnam projects, do you think? I know yeah. Vietnam is not a neighborhood but right what's the vietnam projects again what are they called what's what are they the, actually called i forget the actual name of where them. are they they're in the bronx in the bronx why are they called the vietnam projects again? uh because the war zone yeah. um so question 16 last question wrapping it up sure this is good yeah does it feel it got past feeling like an interview right at yeah, point, it's definitely a conversation. Past it. right. I feel like I want the conversation before you ask 16. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like I wanted or want or whatever, uh-huh. right? Like, my bladder will probably not let us go deeper. Mine but, either. Um, what? Go I said mine either. Oh. Um, I want to go deeper on the, the, the racial stuff. Uh-huh. I want to go deeper on the crime stuff, on the safety yeah. stuff, on yeah. the here we are as privileged white adults totally. having this conversation yeah. in this surrounded by a bunch of equipment like expensive sure. equipment that is only used very rarely overlooking a park that's very well lit uh we're hearing sirens because it is very well protected right. very well considered and watched um yeah totally. and i get to show up in my job tomorrow morning and right. see these kids who right. Are, tra- are traveling over an hour from Brownsville uh-huh. who don't sleep because of the sirens that are right. incessant all night long. Yeah. And because if they're not there, that's trouble. The fucking disastrous neighbors they have on either side of them that are either blaring music right. or screaming and fighting and throwing plates or right. slamming doors, something. dogs barking. Yeah. Like, you don't live out there unless you have to. Incessant. It's incessant. So right. they don't sleep and they're under-rested and they're undernourished because to your point, unless there's a bougie organic grocery store that no one can afford, yeah, no, they're, they're eating what they have access to. Whatever, government, That's right. You know, whatever. Exactly. Usually um, McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. On the way to school and on the way back. Sure, um, sure. Okay, so um, I, I want to dive into that too. I, I want to I interview that conversation. <laughs> I want to do some research and have some stats and like really understand what I'm talking about to dive into that conversation, but I do want to have it. I'm down. Question 16. 
Dun dun dun. Is this where you guess who I am? No. Oh. Um. Question 16, we're going to jump all the way to the top of your resume. The very first page, the very first question. I'm going to answer a couple questions first. You grew up in pretty safe, pretty comfortable area in Connecticut. Let's just call to it that. To say the least. Yes. That right. is under selling not, it. Not a whole lot of nights you spent on your belly waiting for a drive-by. No, never. Right. Um, My graduating class from high school was 350 and there were three black kids. Right. But like specifically from a, from a, you know, socioeconomic standpoint, like resources, etc. It was, yeah, it was pretty, relatively speaking, it was a pretty easy place to grow up. Very much so. Not a lot of trauma, not a lot of like interruptions to your, to your path. You know, it wasn't like if your parents made a plan for you, there was a good chance that just society was going to knock you off that path. Like, they could kind of make a plan, and largely speaking, you could, you could pretty much ride that out, right? You could execute The only thing I'll say is strategy. that trauma is relative. Sure, absolutely. But my point is that it's not common that parents make a plan for their child, and at some point really early on, that child is just interrupted by forces beyond everyone's means. It's not common, and it's possible, certainly. It wasn't not, a question of whether or not we had access to go to college. It was which college we're going yeah, to. Which college am I going to go That's to? It. Am I going to survive? That's to right. Get to college? Of course. Of course. Am I going to? Am I going to graduate from high school? Of course. What are you talking about? Right. Right. Am I going to eventually get a and car? Some of my friends it was questionable whether right. or not they sure. were graduating. Sure. Totally, there are exceptions to the but rule. But that was all their the doing. is really low. But not the experience of living in that situation is, of course, I'm going to get a degree. What are you talking about? I didn't know eventually, anyone. I'm going to get stuff done. I didn't grow up or know anyone that didn't have food in their fridge. Right. Yeah. Didn't have electricity or plumbing right. or heat in the winter or anybody you knew and as a kid got shot and killed. No. How old? Were suicides. You before you a couple of suicides someone. in high school. Okay. That was it. Children or adults? Like friends. Okay. My age, um, ninth grade, tenth grade. Shot themselves. Hung. Okay. Um, how many people? One OD. One attacked in some way by some other human. Violent, not like like a scrap or something or some parking lot. You like a bad fight. party. I mean, like um, I've got it out for you, and I'm gonna try to hurt you badly or kill you or. Or they were in the wrong place, the wrong time. Break your knees, or I'm gonna like, attack your family. I'm no. Break in your home. Never. Never. No. You didn't know anybody. Okay, so I didn't know anyone's home that got broken into. I didn't know anyone that was like mugged or jumped. No one got like carjacked. Out of 250 students, how we many parked our cars you? in the driveway and didn't lock our doors. Right. Out of 250 students right now at Girls Prep. Who lives in that environment? Who could say the same thing? That they don't know anybody. They're between oh. fifth and eighth grade. Are there any of your students who would say the same thing? No, I don't know anybody who's ever gotten shot or like violently. Like, what are you talking about? Or is it literally I one? Mean, are there any out of 250 who are not even in high school yet who could say that right now? I would say that there are probably 10 year olds in fifth grade who have never heard a story of someone they know getting violently shot or killed. I have no idea that number. I would say the majority of... Right. So I told you about Kindness Day, right? Yeah. So Kindness Day is we do these um, like small group activities in which we can... This is all 15A through Z. This is not 16 yet, by the way. Go sure. Um, so we did this activity called Step Into the Circle. 
and it starts off really benign. Step into the circle if you like pizza. Right. Step oh, into yeah, the yeah. circle if your nails uh -huh. are pink. Uh -huh. um, step into the circle if you grew up with one parent. Right. Step into the circle if you know someone who's been killed. Uh -huh. Step in the circle if you know someone who's been violently attacked. How many people are total in this circle? My group alone was 30. How many people stepped up when they said, when you asked, you know somebody personally who's been killed? More than half the class. And this is two thirds. This is middle school. These are seventh graders. They're 13. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so question 16. Mm -hmm. uh, you grew up in, let's just shorthand it now that we've explained it. You grew up in well to do Connecticut. Mm -hmm. You had a great upbringing, you had great opportunities. I wanted to for nothing. The rest of the world. Right. You're fine. Yep. Um, you got your degrees, you did your thing. Mm -hmm. You're now, for a series of events, a series of conversations, a series of decisions and choices, however you're here, you're here. You are in this situation, you have this job, you work with these kids, mm -hmm. you work at this school in mm -hmm. New York. Um, Question 16, when you look back at your life, when it's all said and done, if you happen to have that moment, fortunately, like a lot of people don't, but if you are one of the fortunate ones and you get to look back on your life and you get to reflect on how, how you spent it and what you did with your life, um, at what point in your existence do you feel like, okay, cool, I did right. I balanced the scales. I did something that was worthwhile. I gave, I balanced it out. I feel good about how I spent my time. I feel good about who I am. I feel good about what it was. I feel like, what is, what is that thing that you want to be able to like point at and say, got it, I did, I did what I could. Hmm. That's two different questions. I know, sure. but like, what is, sure. can you define that answer? Like, what is the thing that you're looking at to say, yes, thumbs up, I did it. Knowing where you came from, knowing what you're doing now, knowing the values that that implies about the, your life and what the values that you have, knowing that this is obviously fulfilling in some way, right? It's obviously motivating in some way. You've been doing it for a while. You obviously care about it. What is the thing that you look back at and say, done, there it is, cool. I'm going to answer the first question. First okay. question you asked first. First question was, at what point will I feel like I did it? Sure. And I can feel good about that. And I can say that right now. If I die tomorrow, if I get hit on the way home, yeah. Like, I literally have served every point of my adult yeah. life um, of kids for others to give year back. After year. Because I grew up in a place where I had every resource, I had ever right. access to everything. And I would go to soup kitchens on the holidays and we would like, you know, give yeah, back sure, to the, sure. you know, the homeless and stuff. And then living in New York and then going up to school in Vermont and then coming back to the city, like I always knew there were those that did not. Okay. And I always right. knew, having always gone to public school, right. but knowing that my public school, co-ed, crowded, sure, big, right, whatever, right. was one of the best in the state, right. which is why my parents right. chose to live in that district right, in that right. community that there were always going to be those that had less or needed more right. and I like knew that I had the privilege socioeconomically racially whatever as a woman in education having degrees knowing my place uh -huh. in the world and being able to choose 
my next steps that I wanted to give back and do more for others. So you can say that now. You feel good about it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You should. The second part of the question. Why keep doing it then, right? The second part of the question basically is why, why not just quit? Why not just stop? Now, boom, wash my hands. I'm going to go skiing for the rest of my life. Um, because, uh, because I'm not done with all I have to give. Because there's can. more. Because I still care, is that what you said? Because you still can. Because I still can and I still care. And like, I think there's a balance that I can still live my life well for me and do sure. the things that make me feel fulfilled separately from right. helping others. Right. But that that's important to me and that will always be a priority to me. And I don't know if it's going to be in school or helping children of a certain age or demographic or community or sex, you know, right. but that like, I have an ability to communicate with people and my passion for helping others, children, young adults, adults, whatever, in whatever capacity I can, I selfishly want to grow and do other things in a helping capacity. So uh, why not stop now and just go skiing or just fuck around, move to Hawaii and smoke weed on the beach. Do whatever it is. Do whatever it is or do nothing, right? Do yeah. nothing and live Screw minimally. Yeah. You're an inspiration for that. Okay, thanks. <laughs> doing lots and living on what's <laughs> not doing No, I mean, I'm certainly not doing the same thing. <laughs> so I'm not doing the same thing, but also like getting out of the framework and this is why leaving New York is so important to me that, or feels right to me. It's, it's important because it feels right. Um, Timing. I don't want to be driven by the money I have to make to both do something Just that survive here. feels good. I feel like I'm not a sellout like my friends in finance and corpo. Like I could be making whatever amount of money, but I didn't go to school for that. And I didn't pursue yeah. other degrees in that because that wouldn't fill me up. It would fill my pockets up, but not my soul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the work that I do that fills my soul and keeps me in debt forever. <laughs> is worth it. Right. And I had this conversation with Sarah on the drive back down to DC, like having stories that I could go on for a while longer sure. about, but one in particular about a good friend of mine who with a freak snowboarding accident, lost her husband, she left her alone with a two month old baby. Right. And she's in this home alone and she's 31 years old and she's got a two month old baby. And this is her fucking life. This is right. her reality. Right. And she didn't, plan for this. He didn't have a will. Like this is some real life shit. Um, that I could just keep coming back to again and again and again, that like I have been able to chart my own course and yes, like had heartbreak and had sure. things not go as sure. planned and like been disappointed by some jobs and had to like, you know, quit or had to leave. Sure. Yeah. But I'm in a place that I feel so blessed. That's right. such a terrible cliche generic term yeah, whatever but but it is like i feel so fortunate and so privileged to be able to just pick up and go because i've i've done what i needed to do in new york city and there's so many kids like so i have to tell my staff tomorrow i have to announce to my full staff tomorrow wow, that i'm not coming back yeah. next year yeah and ask them to not say anything to our students or our families because they will be really disappointed and 
selfishly I'll have to explain that I'm doing this for me. Um, and they have enough abandonment, they have enough heartbreak, they have enough loss that they experience all the time that I don't want to be the one causing them more. And it would very much feel like that because I've seen our staff members leave before and I've seen our sixth and seventh graders who are so excited to like go through the high school application process with me next year to like graduate with me. To have somebody on their side, to stick around and be on their side all the time. Yeah. I'm this like symbol of the next right. step. Yeah. And I don't know who's going to MC graduation next year. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it has to be me. Because I help them right. through the process. I have to do but that still feel it's time, it's time to move on. Yeah, but that's easy for me to, to say in yeah. all these conversations. And it's not easy to say to the people who to I'm the serving. the faces of the kids, yeah. Um, I don't think I answered the question. It's okay. You said a lot. Um, I think you did answer the question. I think you answered it by explaining that you care, and that's why. Because, and as generic as that is, you expressed it in a way that's tangible. Um, the, you know, I like. I can relate um, in a couple of different ways, but one specifically in the realm of podcasting. I'm starting this Liberty Boys podcast about my parents, and I'm asking the same question to a whole bunch of people. Why the hell would you do that? Why would you do that? Mm. You're dealing with an insane amount of drama, and you're just accepting that that's your reality when we all know at any point, literally at any moment, you could just say, no, I'm not doing this. What am I doing? I'm not doing this. No. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm stopping. Um, and, it, and, no, and at a certain threshold, like at a certain point you cross the threshold where you think, I'm totally justified in quitting right now. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm done. Put in my time. I'm good. Yeah. I have made an impact. Right. This is an arbitrary. There are specific points that I can, in, I, like people that I can point to and say their life is different because of me. I it's helped. taxing. I had, like all I'm that tired. stuff. And you can yeah. have tons of excuses and sure. all but you do it because you become, I will just use the phrase, not to argue over the semantics, but I would describe it as you become addicted to the generosity, right? Like to a that. certain degree, you know, not just that it feels good to help people, but that you know it goes deeper than that and it's mm -hmm. hard to explain. Mm -hmm. And explaining it is not the point. It, doing it is the point. Yeah. Talking about it is not the point. Doing it. The start of the Liberty Boys podcast is the first words are, it's not the critic who counts. Um, mm. And that phrase resonates with me because my dad read that quote a thousand times in my life at different services and started sermons that way and it was printed on walls and it was always a plaque somewhere and it was just, it was one of his things. But the beginning of it was always the thing that stood out to me, that opening phrase. Whoever can stand back and explain this doesn't matter. Mm. The people who actually do the work matter. Mm. And explaining why doesn't matter. But when you explain doing the work, you see why. The, you can hear why. Mm. When you explain 
how hard it is to stop doing the work, you can hear why. Even though it's hard to explain why, you can hear it, you feel it, you understand it. When I hear you talk about leaving the school, what I hear is it's not the critic who counts. It's not the person who explains why you do this that matters. It's the doing the thing that will explain it to you. That's why you do it, because once you do it, you understand it. Because once you actually take the action that you know matters and that really somehow resonates, like it just hits this perfect pitch in your soul and it just matches, it's just harmonic with who you are, done. I can't explain it anymore, it's just there. I feel that way about lots of things in my life. There's something about it that I can't explain, so I'm going to do it because it matters to me, because it's important to me, and it's really hard to stop doing it, and it's hard to explain why. It both matters and makes a difference. It does matter, and I do care, and it makes a difference. That's right. Right? Yeah. That's like that harp. That's like that perfect harmony between those things. Mm -hmm. And when you just strike the chord, and you think, I don't have to explain this. Mm -hmm. I don't feel the need to explain it. Right. I'm just going to do this because it. it works it strikes that perfect vibration in me where every day it sucks and i'm still going to do it i'm not going to be happy sitting next to fatima at breakfast tomorrow morning no, it's going to suck not. it's of way too not. early but you're going to do it of course because it matters and you do care yeah. and it makes a difference yeah and she shows up yeah and she'll remember yeah others will remember and you'll remember and it makes a difference We've talked for uh, 25...